Last Sunday, <coughs> by the way, good afternoon. Last Sunday when I preached on uh, the Pentecost Sunday, I spoke about the four characteristics of a happy parish. So there were, you didn't come, I preached at 8.45 and uh, 12.15. So some of you probably were there. So the four characteristics of a happy parish is three M's. That is uh, melding, ministry, mirth, and mission. So mirth means rejoicing. When disciples saw the Jesus, they rejoiced. So that is one of the reasons I always say a joke before my sermon, so I include some stories. So this is a real story. I told this story at two masses. I can't remember whether it was Sunday evening mass or uh, Sunday morning mass. Anyway, I'm going to tell you this story. In case you already heard, just ignore it. <laughs> it's a story a couple of years ago it happened. I was doing a mission appeal in uh, one of the parishes and uh, Saturday evening mass. It's a small little church, 50 people probably. So the Church, it's a very peculiar church. They have a sanctuary. It's like an arch. It's like an afterthought. So the sanctuary is low, and uh, the main part of the church is very high. So if you sit here as an altar service, you can't see the ceiling of the sanctuary. Only the priest can see or deacon who sits in the sanctuary can see. So during this Mass, there was a young boy like maybe like Gianna, maybe, maybe a little more bigger, maybe second or first or second or third grade, six, seven years old, with his grandmother, and he was counting something during my mass. He looked at me and he starts counting. One, two, three, four, five, six. He starts again counting, and it was really a nuisance, you know. Somebody that you are preaching, one of the altar service, look at me and smiles at me and count on his finger. So... After Mass, I was greeting people, and he and his grandma came, and I stopped him and asked him what is his name. His name was Henry. I said, what were you counting looking at me? He said, Father, I was counting the lights on the ceiling. I said, you can't see those lights on the ceiling from where you sit. And how do you know that? He said, Father, I know there are four lights, four ceiling lights. And how do you know that? He said, Father, I could see it on your head. <laughs> There's only one light here. You don't need to count during the Mass, you know? So, I wasn't here for a while. That's why you didn't see me uh, for a couple of weeks. I went to South Africa, where I worked for 19 years before I came to America. So I visited Cape Town, went to the parishes I visited, celebrated Mass. So I went to Washington, D.C. to apply for my visa because though I used to be a permanent resident in South Africa, since I didn't go there for a while, that expired. So I had to apply for a, a visitor's visa. So I went to Washington, D.C. My desire was to visit the Capitol and see all those places and museums, but somehow, uh, time constraints, I couldn't. So then I heard about a famous uh, person whose statue is kept uh, uh, in Washington, D.C. 
is called General Ulysses S. Grant. You know him, I'm sure. He was also a president and vice president and, of course, uh, the chief of uh, U.S. Army during Civil War. So, and he had a, a good friend, a close friend. I'm, talking, I'm going to talk about some love affairs. So a good friend called John Rawlins, you know. So some of you probably know about uh, General Ulysses. He had a, a serious, terrible drinking problem, alcohol. In the morning, after, before breakfast, and after breakfast, and before noon, whole day. So Rawlins convinced Grant to take a pledge to stay sober particularly during the Civil War. And when Grant fell off the wagon and went back to drinking, it was John Rawlins who went to him as a friend and confronted him and reminded him once again how many people depended on him. So if you go to Washington, D.C., and look in front of the Capitol and you will see the heroic statue of General Grant on his horse. But if you go down the Pennsylvania Avenue to the other end, south of the Capitol, you'll find a park called Rollins Park. In that park is a very nondescript statue of John Rollins. Yet the truth is, literally and figuratively, the only reason Grant stayed on his horse was because of John Rawlins. So we need our good friends in our life, good relationship. The second story I want to tell you is from a, 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 a very nice movie called There Were Times Dear. Maybe you should see that. There Were Times Dear. Some of you are probably able to relate this movie in your own life, actually, to your own life. So with Joan Woodward, tells a story of a woman who had to cope with her husband's progressive Alzheimer's disease. The film shows her watching him as he becomes more and more lost. She watches him more become, become a dazed and drooling invalid. She worries when she wakes up in the morning and is missing and she doesn't know where he is. But she doesn't keep her distance. She stays with him, cares for him, bath him and dress him. And she does all this with the knowledge that not only will he never be the same again, but there will come a point when he will not even know who she is. Yet she has no thought of leaving him or divorcing him or staying away. Beautiful movie. If you can get a time to watch, there were times dear. So another movie is uh, Brian's Song. Brian's Song is a story of uh, two football players, Brian Piccolo and Gail Says. Gail was a black and Brian was a white guy. And in all professional sports history, they were the first man and white man and black man to room together. And so world watched carefully to see how they would get along together. When what kept them together was their great sense of humor. 
In one point, Brian Piccolo was asked, how do you two get along? How is it living with a black man? He answered, it is okay as long as he doesn't use the bathroom. You know? So when Brian got cancer, he wasn't able to take part in the playoffs. Gail says did and won footballer's most prestigious award, the George S. Hylas Award. In the movie, Sage stood up in front of everybody to accept the award and said, you flatter me by giving me this award, but I tell you here and now that I accept it for Brian Piccolo. Brian Piccolo is the man of courage who should receive this award. I love Brian and I would, I would like you to love him as well. Tonight, when you hit your knees, please ask God to love him too. Why were we so moved uh, by this scene? Not just because it showed an extraordinary friendship between a black and a white man, but because it is said something profound about relationship. I love this man. So what do we resonate with these three stories? And what do they have to do with Trinity? The answer is that all these stories portray loving relationships. Instinctively, we know that we are not our best, our most moral, and most human, our most divine, and when we are in a, a loving relationship. Let me repeat. We know that we are at our best, our most moral, our most human, our most divine when we are in a loving relationships. But why? Because it is at these, those times that our true identity is revealed. Now, what identity am I talking about? Our identity as being made in the image and likeness of a triune God. Trinity, we are made in the image of Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Revealed precisely as God whose very nature is a loving relationship. The Trinity tells us that God is not solitary like a pagan God. God is not cruel or immoral like the Greek gods. Trinity says that God is in a relationship, Father, Son, and Spirit. And the basis of that relationship is love. And we are made in that image. No wonder then we are, no, we are most godly, most divine, most happy, most fulfilled, most awesome, most fantastic, most fabulous, when we too are in a loving relationship or when we are a trinity, you know. Of course, if you flip over to the other side, we are least ourselves, we are, we are least ourselves and most unhappy and most inhuman when we are out of our relationships, when we lose connection with the Trinity in whose image we are made. That is why the worst pain and illness in the world is to be out of relationship. I'm sure 
all of us have experienced that when we lose friendship, you know, or anything like that. Think of the raw emotions of betrayal, a separation, the death of a spouse or a child, a divorce, or any severe breaking of relationship. Some people even commit suicide because of broken love affairs. I have come across a couple of young men trying to commit suicide, but did not succeed, luckily, you know. So these situations hurt so much because they are against the grain of who we are, the Trinity. On the other hand, the stories of John Rollins and the wife, wife of the husband with Alzheimer's disease, and the Gail says, resonate with us because they provide a mirror of the triune God in whose image we are made. They picture us at our godly best. They show us living in the pattern of the Trinity. So next time somebody says to you, maybe your children today, well, daddy or mommy or my friend, you are a Catholic, you believe in the Trinity, what is all about? Don't go for a theological or philosophical explanation. You won't be able to explain to them. When me, I can't sometimes. That is why Trinity is a mystery, you know? So just tell them it is about three persons bound in a relationship of love, and it is about me because I am the reflection of that relationship. The Trinity is the basis of the moral life which urges me to show in my life the glimpse I have God's life, Father, Son, and the Spirit in, in, in love. I am the Holy Trinity and they abide in me and I love God, I love my people, I love everybody. Amen.